It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Oh, I love Connie Francis. You know, when I first spoke in a talk radio at WABC, I was doing mornings. She sent a bouquet of flowers. She said, oh, you know, Curtis, I've always admired the work you did, but you're really good in talk radio. I listen to talk radio. That's wild. I can't tell you when I was growing up, Connie Francis was like for an Italian-American guy. Every mother, grandmother would say, you need to marry somebody like <laughs> Connie Francis. She had gone with Bobby Darren. Yeah. And Bobby Darren, I mean, Connie Francis told a story with uh, Cousin Brucie. That, that was the worst mistake she ever made in her life. Bobby Darren said, let's elope. That was the love of her life. She says, you know, I come from a traditional Italian-American family. I must ask permission of my father. He said, he'll never grant permission. You know, I'm a Jewish guy from the Bronx. I'll never grant it. And was this before or after Mac the Knife? And this is when he was worried a big deal, or is this before believe, he had made it? I believe he was, help- well, first of all, he was a prolific songwriter, right. jingle writer, with Murray the K, the swinging soiree. In fact, Splish Splash in the back. Right. This song came from Murray the K's mother, who goes, I-, I can't come up with any words. Talk to my mother on the phone. She gives me all my best lines. Mm-hmm. No, but then she said, but I must do right. By my father. And naturally, the father said, never, a thousand times, never. And she admitted to Cousin Brucie, that's why you got to listen to him at night, his interviews. They're so great. And she said, that is the worst mistake I ever made in my life. Well, that leads us in to Eric Adams, the mayor, who has doubled down on what has become the story of his administration in the last few days. Uh... He went up to Washington Heights. He had a town hall meeting, which uh, mayors have town hall meetings. And is to, is to be commended. And he's taking questions after making introductory remarks. And this woman, who has a reputation as a activist uh, against rent raises by landlords, she's been out there for years, Upper West Side, not far from where I live. And she does not want the questions read off of an index card. She sees that they already have this... Uh, our aide will read your questions. You know, that's not what a town hall meeting is. Town hall meeting is people queue up. You give them the microphone. You control the microphone so that they don't go on and on and on. And so that's when she stood up after the introductory remarks. Well, she kind of in- she interrupted as her question was being read. Right. And then the mayor started referring to her as, don't think I'm on a, a plantation, which conjure up the fact that, what are you calling her, a slave owner, plantation owner? And then it turns out his worst nightmare come true. It always happens. To, I don't care who it is, me, you, uh, the mayor. Turns out an elderly Jewish woman, 84, lifetime activist for rent control, uh, who was swift, uh, whisked away by her family in Germany as the Holocaust was taking place. So she might have been exterminated with her family. She moved like three or four times. She was like, Her family was on the run. Right. She voted for Maya Wiley, 
So, you know, her leanings are left in the Democratic Party, and the mayor will get a challenge from somebody on the left in the primary for his reelection. And he said what he said. It didn't go over well with anybody, not even his supporters. Right. And 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 he not only said what he said, but he kind of went on. He kind of it wasn't just, hey, show some respect. And then he went on to answer the question. He kind of went on a little while. Look, happened to Rudy, happened to Bloomberg. Happened to you, it's happened to me. You realize afterwards, wow, that was pretty stupid. And if you don't realize it, your age, you know, your your supporters, your wife, your immediate family says, hey, what happened? <laughs> Are you going right. to walk that back? You're going to apologize to this woman? That's all it is. You don't have to meet her, have a cup of coffee. You know, remember Obama had a moment like that. Remember he sat down, he had a cup of coffee with a woman that he had a disagreement with. Obama polished, polished. You know, he understood that was not a good look. This was not a good look. But then he's on WINS yesterday in like a wrap up of his administration. They do this like once a week. And he just wouldn't give an inch on this. Well, some could say that. And her behavior was acting in a disrespectful way. And I'm just seeing this disrespect that we are displaying not only locally, but nationally. Uh, disrespected police officers, disrespected religious groups uh, when they are in our city, disrespectful uh, to everyday people who deliver services. And it needs to stop. Uh, you know, I came from a family that my mom made it clear, never allow someone to be disrespectful to you. That woman disrupted a meeting where all the participants were acting respectfully and cordially to get their issues heard. She disrupted that. And then she was degrading on how she communicated with me. I'm not going to allow civil service to be disrespected, and I'm not going to be disrespected as the mayor of this city. I'm representative. I'm the representative of this city, and we need to start having a better dialogue on how we communicate with each other, both locally and nationally, uh, on how we communicate. Gee, do as I say, but not as I do. I don't, I don't have a problem with a lot of what he said there, except for this, except that this woman, that you work for this woman. Now, that doesn't mean that she has a right to be, to be nasty or to be disrespectful, but think of the environment. Let me just give you some, like, I used to love doing town hall meetings. We did a lot of them. And what I would do is I too would have people write their questions down and then I'd go, all right, Bob, on Beach 92nd Street, Bob, are you here? Bob, stand up, and then I'd read the question. Bob, you want to ask a question about affirmative action? And then I'd let them ask the question. I'd do it just to keep the flow going so we don't have five people asking the same question over and over again. And you, and if someone is truly disrespectful to you, the rest of the crowd will let them know. We're civilized people by and large. And I think the thing that the mayor might have measured wrong here is, one, yeah, she was a little bit chippy, but that's going to happen. And the second thing is, an older woman maybe is allowed to kind of be a little a little more vocal than maybe a, a teenage boy. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I I think you gotta you gotta give them a little bit more slack. And also, people are pissed. People are pissed about their rents. People are pissed about rats. People are pissed about their taxes. People are pissed about the about immigration. So letting them kind of vent a little bit is part of what the job is. Civility, he's saying. You know, on a national level, too. Gee whiz, when Ed Day, a man that he served with in the NYPD, who happens to be the county executive of Rockland, went to court 
got a temporary restraining order to block the migrants from being shipped to Rockland County. You remember, that's what started. I do. He did everything legally. And then what did Eric Adams call him? An anti-Semite and a racist. So, you know, you got to set the example first. And he's been playing the race card so often of late. And now all of a sudden everybody has to be civil. You know, it's like. I think, but, but saying if he left all the things about everyone else out and took some accountability for himself and said, yeah, it wasn't my finest moment. But here's why I was particularly on edge, because here's what I see happening all the time. Police officers and whatever. I think then the answer becomes fine. I would have liked to see him say, you know, he talked about his connection with 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 his faith and with religion. There is the turning the other cheek thing. There is a listen, you got a thick skin. You're the you're the mayor. It doesn't mean that someone can rough go roughshod over you. But I do think that he kind of he he shot a mosquito with a bazooka this week. Think of it, Anthony. He sees it's an elderly white woman. He's not blind. He uses the plantation. Uh, don't treat me like I'm on a plantation. Mainly, mainly like you're the plantation owner. I'm your slave. Don't be treating me like he does this all the time. Yeah, that I'm not. I'm not nuts about that. I didn't sense. I didn't sense anything about that question that was any more condescending than it would be to any elected official, which maybe that's a problem. Maybe people should not necessarily. I would sometimes say to people, I don't get paid enough to be yelled by you you like this. And I would walk away or I would say, you know, or I would fight. I would argue. I'll give an example. AOC, all out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, she and I were like two scorpions in a brandy glass. I actually informed Ronald Reagan, Republican clubs to counteract AOC and socialists. She does great town hall meetings. It's entertaining when the crowd is going nuts. Both sides, remember, both sides. The far left hate her because she has supported the war in Ukraine. The far right, you know, vilify her. So she just sits back, lets him vent. I'll be going to, she's got a town hall meeting 6 o'clock in Hunter's Point, which is right there in Queens. You know, right there where the old Pepsi-Cola right. plant mm-hmm. is. And I'm going to see it for the first time. But actually, I give her credit because when the hostility percolates, notice what she does. She sits on the stage. She has a microphone in her hand. She lets everybody vent. And everybody vents. The people who supported her on the far left say, you're a warmonger. How can you support this war in Ukraine? So they go on. She lets them speak. Then the people on the far right who live to uh, attack AOC, she lets them vent, and then she goes on and speaks. Yeah, no, I, I, look, there is, you know, we know there have been radio personalities who, who trying to think who used to, actually John Sterling used to do that. Get off my radio, you yeah, bum. used to be the Bob it, Grant of sports talk right, radio at right. WMCA. But when you're a politician, the burden is in a different place. Now, these are your employers that are saying this stuff to you, and my view has always been, that that the the room self moderates. Someone says something that's over the line, even if you agree with their position, they get put back in their place. And in this case, I think the mayor misgaged what was what was going. That's the generous way to put it. But yeah, I mean AOC, and it doesn't stand for all out crazy. You know, it stands for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. No, you mean Sandy Cortez when she grew up in Westchester. <laughs> One of the privileged sectors, right? <laughs> Tarrytown Heights or whatever. But the point being is, yeah, she handles it well. Right. She understands part of this is let them vent. It is a bit of entertaining. They've come prepared. You know, they have their dances. They have their banners. You know, 
This is what they planned. Yeah. You announce you're having a town hall meeting. You've invited everyone. Nobody is being vetted. Here's my here's my experience. In 2010, we pass uh, we pass Obamacare, and Nancy Pelosi sends out a memo to Democratic members. We're getting crushed at these town hall meetings. Don't do them. They make bad visuals. We're getting better. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, that's not what that's not what I'm in business for. First of all, I, I believed in the bill and everything else. And so I had 13 of them all around the district. And some of them were like brutal. Like, you know, when when they started, I was six four, two hundred and forty pounds is all that's left of me. But ultimately, it reflected the idea that even in places like Glendale and Breezy Point and other places that hated me for this bill, they're like, all right, you showed up and people kind of shout themselves out a little bit. They like, all right, I got my vo- I, I told him what's what's what. And I think that one of the things that the mayor has to communicate, in addition to civility, is the idea that he's going to hang in there and have someone yell at them. And it's not unreasonable if someone yelled to for rent increases. That's kind of why you have oh, a town hall meeting. Come on. That's why when they have the vote, uh, everybody parades. Remember this time, uh, led by uh, Tiffany Caban and all the socialists and city council, remember they jumped up on the stage when they took their vote to increase uh, the rent, stabilize rent, and they paraded and they had their signs and this is all part of the process. Stop this, Eric Adams. Now, for instance, you mentioned uh, when Pelosi talked about the town hall meetings that the Democrats, many of your colleagues, shrunk from. The Tea Party was in its prime. Yeah. You know where they got their lessons from? The book that I was raised on by my father, Saul Alinsky. Yeah. Oh, Mark Lemon, Saul Alinsky. Oh, so Mark, you know nothing about Saul Alinsky. I grew up on Saul Alinsky. I've used elements of rules for radicals yeah. to organize the guardian angels, to disrupt public meetings when they wouldn't let me speak. These are all valid, workable ideas. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He's a communist. Well, guess what? Some of the things in there work. And the Tea Party used every rule for radical. They dispersed their people in the audience. One person would pop up, shout at one of your colleagues. They didn't know how to deal with that. Another person would pop up, and then they would retreat. They would run off the stage. We're going to do this by phone. Remember, some of them said, we're going to do it by phone. We're not going to do it in person. They were so intimidated. That's what rules for radicals were. Yeah. You are supposed to be selfless servants. You're supposed to come out into the ring and face the fire. This isn't a, I kiss your ass, you know, I'm coming out. Right, but, but, and Eric Adams is not wrong. A certain civility has melted away, and I, th- I get that, and that's a valuable thing to, to say. And like I said, a lot of the explanation he gave, I agree with. I would have liked it to be, I should have kept my cool, but let me explain what civil servants go through all the time and how, and how this is degraded. Blah, 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 blah. What? is wrong with just apologizing. Yeah, well, you and I have talked about this it before. It was, again, and he's into this mode now, you know, come Kunta Kente, I came in, and I'm going out Kunta Kente. He never said that. I want, I want him to show us. One time he said, you know, I'm Kunta Kente, I'm not Toby. And when I leave, I'm going to be Kunta Kente. When did he ever say well, that? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I've, I've invited him to come on with me and Dominic. By the way, we have to talk about that. We need Dominic and I need your advice on how to carry a morning show. I think you're you're going to come on your regular of course, slot. I wouldn't miss it for the excellent, world. Excellent, excellent. But I mean, I I think that there is there is there's something to be said here. We need more civility. I think he missed a golden opportunity. Well, look, real quickly, Chris Christie was a master of the town hall meetings. That's what made him in New Jersey and nationally. He'd be in a town hall meeting, you'd be busting his stones. He'd give it right back to you. Trump took it to a new level. That's what a town hall meeting is, except he would say, 
Hey, punch that guy in the face and drag him out. Remember Burlington, Vermont? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give him, give him a, a coat from the Burlington Coat Factory on the way out so he doesn't get frostbite outside. Classic lines. People love that. But they were... They were encouraged to come. Remember, he wanted the adversary. He said, this is right. like professional wrestling. No, but I, Without I, a heel, look, nobody I'm, pays attention. I'm a little bit in the same place. When I first sat down and started doing doing the middle, you know, I knew the people wanted to give me what for. And if I couldn't show that I could sit in there and take it and not necessarily agree with everything, but say, yeah, I mean, I agree. If you look, want to if you, you – The most boring talk shows, of which we have some. Uh, when the sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys call up, yo, you're wonderful, you're the greatest, uh, the greatest world. You get out of here. Stop patronizing me. I want the negative calls because that reflects a different point of view. That's what talk radio is about. Everyone in talk radio who has mo- made their bones, who was like in the Radio Talk Hall of Fame, they, they, they made their bones with negative callers. Right. That's entertaining. It's informative. It's giving the other side. You got to let them be heard. You can't just shut them down. Right. I listen to shows here. Person comes on. They make a very valid point. I don't agree with it, but hey, it makes me think. Click. Yeah. They no, talk it, right over them. A hundred percent. And the, and the other, like the way I put it, it's a little bit like watching lion tamers at work. Right. No one wants to see a, a bunch of kittens walking around. They want to see how is the yeah, guy going to go. And I, I agree. I think it makes good radio. And also out of that, and you made you just made this point. The friction that comes from two strongly held views is not dissimilar to what you might see in, in a legislature or someplace like that. But you get in your house when you've invited your crazy uncle over. Yeah, right. Exactly. And right away. He wants to talk politics. Exactly. He said we have a restriction. No politics because it divides us. First thing he wants to do right out of the box. Talk <laughs> politics. Anyway, up next, the making of two talk show hosts here at WABC. I've observed them. Obviously, Anthony Weiner, left versus right, and Dominic Carter, who started way before you at the old WABC, as mentioned. Monday morning, 6 to 10, replacing Sid, who's away to Wednesday. And let me tell you something. This is what talk radio should be about. Not sickle fans, toadies, or lackeys. I love you, you love me. Barney talk, I call it. Click. But also, Eric Adams does something you will agree with. He names a new top cop. We'll talk about that when we get back home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exclusively here, where you get your best talk radio most of the time, on 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Good talk radio, ladies and gentlemen, means you're engaging callers, you're engaging critics. You don't see that on talk TV any longer. You don't see it on Fox. You don't see it on MSNBC. You don't see it on CNN. You don't see it. And to be honest with you, sometimes you don't hear it enough here. No, exactly. But there are those moments when you begin to see people here mature in talk radio. Look, I've been doing it 35 years. I've been fired and kicked out and only to come back again time and time again. And uh, like Sid Rosenberg, I've done it 35 years, he's done it 25 years. We've been at it the longest, and obviously 
We've done everything imaginable and gotten fired many times. Rush Limbaugh got fired seven times. Seven times. If you haven't been fired, you are not a good talk. <laughs> Joe, it's clear. Because every day I know I come on the air, Anthony Weiner, and you know I attack my fellow Republicans, I attack Democrats, and the phone rings upstairs, fire him, fire him. And I'm sure John and Margaret say, and what for? Because he was your friend yesterday and now he's a foe because he's unearthed something, likewise with Democrats. That's why people listen to talk radio. They're never going to get this on talk TV or locally like New York One. Never, never, never. You were on New York One. I was on New York One. They used to have a balance. There's no more right. balance there. It's like, well, yeah. where's the balance? And it and it's, you know, the, 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 the thing is, like, sometimes I'll see someone waiting on hold for 40 minutes to tell me I'm a jerk. But it's good. It's good radio. Yeah. One, they're coming back. Like, obviously, he's listening to me. And also, people are, are coming back. I Look, I don't think name calling is necessarily all that helpful. But it is that kind of friction that I think makes for good TV. This is why I can't stand. I'm more I'm more left. Fox News makes me nutty. MSNBC is just as bad. So it's if one you, hand clapping. If you do talk TV on radio, you suck. Right. It's that simple. Because I, as the listener, say, what do I need to listen to you regurgitate what talk TV is saying when I can just t- turn on a TV, sit back, and fall asleep? Because what do people do when they watch TV? They fall asleep. Ultimately, they fall asleep. It's almost like, you know, you see your eyes closing, you're in your comfortable uh, leisure chair, you sleep. And that's not what radio should be. Uh, and I've got to tell you, something else is true. If you're not prepared to take positions on stuff and then kind of stick to them, this is why we've talked about this, Andrew Cuomo. You know, when sometimes you hear politicians who want to go be politicians again and they're still talking like politicians, that's not good radio either. The two worst talk show hosts in 35 years of people who do talk TV and talk radio as a side hustle because remember, what they're saying in their head, seven-second sound delay is, I got a TV audience. I really love to. You got three yeah. people watching you on TV, but you're mesmerized. They put makeup on you. You know, you're looking at teleprompter tells you what to say. No original thought. Talk radio. Everything's improv. That's it. Lights, action, camera. Let's do it. You're on your own. There is no, like, 52 producers, production. That's right. it. That's the beauty of talk radio. So if you have talk TV as a side hustle, you're going to be a lousy talk radio show host. So that talks. And if you're a politician and you're planning to run for office again and you're filtering everything, you say, oh, am I going to fan? Oh, the opposition is going to collect this. Oh, they're going to get this. They're going to use it. Again. Stay out of talk radio. Well, let, me ask, let me ask you in a related thing. So on Monday, on, uh, on Monday, I'm going to be Dominic Carter and I are going to be filling in. Answer me this question. Do we make the assumption that people are tuning in to listen to Sid, so try to be as much like him as we can? No. Or are we assuming that a different audience is going to come once they find out that Sid's not on Or we try to just do our own thing? What, what advice would you give no, I mean, no, when you're you doing do, that kind of film? You do your own thing. You are talk radio hosts that are unique. You are unique, Anthony. And Dominic has become extraordinarily unique. He's actually matured now to the point. Right where uh, I'm playing a full hour of Dominic Carter tonight. I'll give you an example. The other night, it was Tuesday night, I'm in, involved in a very bitter primary, a runoff up in the Bronx, 13th uh, City Council District. So uh, Arnold Salinas, who's been with me for 46 years, is driving me home. I have to stop at the bank, uh, make a withdrawal. He's laughing. He's laughing. He's listening to Dominic and callers. 
He never listens to talk radio. I can tell you, he tolerates it when I'm in the car. Right. He's like, he goes, wow, this guy's so funny. Then Dominic was getting angry at somebody. He goes, whoa, this guy's really angry. He couldn't get enough of it. That's the beauty of never knowing where the host of the host is is going to go. If they're predictable, why should I listen tonight or tomorrow? I could just tune it in another day. Basically, you have to create the image of the unexpected. You don't know what to expect. So now you and Dominic teamed for one day. You both have a history in New York City, a long history, and there's so many issues now. For instance, you are going to discuss affirmative action. We're going to discuss that up next because I truly believe that the Democrats are going to make a lot of political hay over these decisions from the Supreme Court. It's going to allow them to fire up their masses like the abortion issue did in the Supreme Court. But Dominic Carter will fool the audience. He's going to say, hey, no, I'm pro-affirmative action. Are you kidding? If I didn't benefit from affirmative action, I would have been in jail. I could never have gone to SUNY upstate where there were more cows than people. And the biggest sport there was cow tipping, which I didn't understand. <laughs> why, why, white guys go out, get drunk, and tip cows. He goes, it exposed me to an entire different world. I am a product of, I guess we could call it, uh, in an odd way, legacy. I got into Brooklyn Prep because of legacy. Now, not of relative, but somebody, right. John Sexton, who was like pulling in a chit. I failed both entrance tests. Right, right. John Sexton convinced the headmaster, you want to have Curtis. And the headmaster predicted, I'm going to end up throwing gonna, you out I'm of I'm going to regret this. Right. Yeah. He, you know, almost like, he, you know, Eric Adams knew he would be mayor. God told him uh, on January 1st, 2022, he would be mayor. Uh, Jack Alexander, as I was getting ready to become a freshman, you're going to be on the outside looking at I know that. And eventually in my senior year, it was. So you could almost say I was a legacy. I benefited from that. And it was great that I went to Brooklyn Prep. I don't know what would have happened if I continued on in public high school because my grades were plummeting. They were going down. Likewise, how many people uh, end up getting into good schools because of legacy, because their mothers or fathers contributed yeah. to the endowment? I mean, look at Bush 43, right? Come on. Let's get real here. No, and, and the same is also true. If you're a good, like, triple jumper or you're a good tennis player, sometimes you wind up getting into a much better school because they want to have that, and that, that's, that's your leg up. So there's no one answer to these complicated issues. I look at it differently because I benefited you know, from a legacy uh, point of view, even though I wasn't legacy. It wasn't because of my father or mother or relatives. It was because of John Sexton pushing me and telling him, this is my chit. You owe me. And they did. And I benefited from that. I'll always be grateful. I tell that story all the time. But isn't that affirmative action? I well, failed yeah, both But, tests. you know, here's the thing. So me and Dominic, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, we got to know each other. He was a host of New York One on Inside City Hall. And then he ran into some flap and they fired him or they moved on to someone else. And when he went, I think, to RNN and he was doing a show there and no one wanted to come on a show. And I'm like, yeah, you were always nice to me on New York One. I'll come on the show over there, not knowing that. I would have that same opportunity kind of here, and we'd both wind up in radio. But he's he's excellent at, at radio. I don't know why he wears a suit all the time. I don't know what that's about. Well, that's, uh, you know, the professionalism. It's, it's, it's like, oh, no, it's like Ronald Reagan. Remember, I got to wear a suit <laughs> in the White House. I will tell you this about Dominic. I've had a come-to-Jesus meeting with him as I've had with you when you were first sort of breaking in permanently. You knew talk radio. You were a listener. Right. You did talk radio with me before, substituted for Ron Cooper. You were good, but then... You had the fire in your belly. You hadn't been knocked down. Now right, you right. had to crawl back. These people were out. All the bots were out to slice you up before you could get the first word out of your mouth. With Dominic Carter, I had to keep telling Dominic, 
You're never getting back in the TV, Dominic. It ain't ever happening. This is your place to be. You are a talk radio host. You listen to WABC. You can become the black Bob Grant in a different way. Angry, but laughing, having fun with the call. You don't need guests. Dominic, you don't need guests. You and the callers. You have a wealth of knowledge. But forget this nonsense that you're going back in TV. Because anybody who does or thinks they're running for politics again, they speak with a filter. You know who always spoke with a filter? Mark Green, uh, who ran for every conceivable office, right? Mark Green, you'd ask him a question, there'd be a seven-second delay. And he was on TV, remember, the wise guys. And he was trying to construct the punchy line every time. It was never like what you thought. You got to be quick. You got to be fast. You can't worry about the ramifications. And if you mess up, you fess up. You apologize. This is Eric Adams' major problem here. He made a mistake. We all do. I'll give you the perfect example. I was on with Lisa at the time in the morning, Angels in the Morning. We were doing quite well. And I said to Lisa, it was in the paper, look at Chelsea, Chelsea Clinton. Look like somebody hit her with a bag full of nickels because she has like those chipmunk cheeks. This Don Belucas grabs me and the general manager. He goes, look, you either apologize for that. Nobody has called. Nobody has said courtesy after I heard it. You don't attack children that way. You leave the children alone. You either apologize tomorrow on the air or I take you off the air. I don't care what your ratings are. I'll fire you in a heartbeat. And I recognize, yeah, there's serious ramifications. The other time, James Kahn sued me when I was no, over at AM 970, yeah, yeah. the answer. Nobody listened to me. <laughs> and they were so afraid. Oh, they're going to come and kill us, the Colombo mob. And the lawyer said, I want you to read this apology. The apology was worse than what I said the first time. So you know how many times I read the apology? Over and, and I over keep again. reading it here. <laughs> 20 times. And they were all satisfied. Oh, he'll never read the apology. He'll get fired. Oh, I kept reading it. The idiots didn't realize that what they had in the apology was worse than what I originally said. It's the old old adage in PR, never restate the charge. So you guys are the shining lights here at WABC. You've really come a long way. You more so than anybody, Anthony, because I got to tell you, you know all the heat you took, the heat I took for having you as a partner, the heat that John and Margo and Chad took. And they stood their ground, not in a sense like they're going to shoot somebody, but they stood their ground. The criticism was overwhelming. Now you don't hear any of it. But let me ask you, don't you think with a isn't it a different it's a different audience an hour or or a couple of hours on a Saturday than it is drive time. That's the big leagues drive time. No, let me tell you something. Uh, A talk radio listener is a talk radio listener. It's like if O.J. Simpson could hit 40 home runs and drive in 100 runs. The New York Mets would welcome him to play center field. You have a problem with your center field. You know. You know if it's good, people listen. Right. People, they like it. And also, so it's funny. When I when I was filling in for James Golden at the end of the year, and I was like tormenting myself, well, what do I say? And introduce myself to this new audience. And I, and I asked Margot for advice. And she says, enough of that already. Just, just exactly. go on and be yourself. Like just and, Everybody and that, knows. Yeah. And who doesn't know must have been living in a cave so get over it. People who have gotten over it, they tell me, wow, Anthony's really come into his own. Wow, Anthony, he made some points. I don't agree with him politically, but he made some points. People come up to me and they say, Dominic, wow, Dominic is really entertaining now. He's really good. He like gets into the callers, and then he'll be laughing with callers. Yeah. His interview with the transgender, 
the other week. Yeah, I played it, it out good. twice. It the good. best I ever heard because it wasn't only informative back and forth. You could see both had a respect for one another, right. but he asked all the questions that you needed to ask. They laughed, they yelled, they cried. All they right, hugged. let me ask you, and this miss may bore our, our audience to tears, but it's four hours. That's right. Is it the same listener at seven it is at nine? No, no, they're all tuning in different increments. Uh, your average listener then uh, might be listening uh, a total of 12 minutes. Got it. Most, so, mostly uh, they're leaving the house. Uh, you know, they had a cup of coffee, a slice of toast. So it's important to reset a lot in the morning when you're doing the morning. Yeah, that, you see Sid does that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sid is the reset master. Yeah. Uh, if I haven't heard uh, who he's going to interview coming up like 52 <laughs> times, I, I as a talk radio listener say, enough, Sid. But he, he follows the formatics, and that's why he's the ratings leader. Right, right. Because he follows the It makes the a difference. It really but is, he's yeah. entertaining. He's laughing. He's arguing. Arguing, you know, this is what you need. Like Peter King. Peter King could be a great talk show host if he would stop patronizing guests. Oh, you were the greatest guy you serving. And then when he's on with Sid and they're talking to Ukraine, it's none of that. Yeah. Clubs are off. They're going to one another, but they remain friends. Right. You can't patronize people. I hear that too much on WA. You're great. I love you. You're the best. Bull feathers. You know you hate that person. You know you disagree with them. Enough of that. Let's just be respectful, but stop the patronizing. Nobody wants to hear that. And yeah. you know what you do when you hear patronizing? Click, click, click. Yeah, because click. it doesn't. That what well, the one thing people seem to want, and this is true in all walks of life, is authenticity, and it just doesn't sound. Well, authentic. I tell you what, I'm going to be with you guys seven oh five. I'm not giving up my spot just because Sid <laughs> is deciding he's going to take an extended uh, July Fourth well earned vacation. I'm going to be with you and Dom because uh, you know I take pride in the fact that you two actually listen to me. There are a number of people here who treat me like a person of no consequence, like, F you, don't tell me how to be a talk show host. Really? I've been doing this 35 years, right? I'm sharing my well, points Well, why don't you view. just admit the, same, the main reason you hang around is you are the giant sucking sound for other people's slots. That, exactly. that you're just, you have no idea when a slot's going to open up. Someone's going to be late. You give me five minutes, you ain't getting it back. <laughs> WABC, always broadcasting, Curtis. I would like to take this opportunity to correct a few statements I made in earlier broadcasts of my show concerning the well-known actor James Kahn. Contrary to my prior statements, Mr. Kahn was not in attendance at a court hearing in involving Andrew Russo in New York on April 15th, 2011. And therefore, he did not kiss Mr. Russo on the mouth at that hearing, as I previously stated. I also falsely stated that Mr. Khan was a trisexual. I have no knowledge about Mr. Khan's sexual preferences or activities, and it was not my intention to question Mr. Khan's sexual preferences or activities. Although Mr. Khan had written a letter to the judge in support of Mr. Russo obtaining bail, I incorrectly referred to that letter as a friend of the court brief. Further, Mr. Russo did not assist Mr. Khan in his early acting career. I retract my earlier baseless comments about Mr. Khan and sincerely apologize for making them. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner, 
The Democrats were protesting the slew of Supreme Court decisions that came out back-to-back, belly-to-belly. But I know deep in their hearts they're saying, wow, this puts us on the road to victory again in 2024, not just for the presidency, but all across the country in contentious races. There are less and less of them because everything has been bifurcated, you know, through uh, redistricting. But, boy, they have a real advantage here. After the abortion uh, issue of a year ago, and now all of these decisions that play to getting young people out who are mostly Democrat, many of them liberal and progressives, and they're the foot soldiers. Uh, I would say you guys should be kissing tukas of the uh, conservative well, left Supreme you, Court. Well, if you take a look at just a, a pin map, of the United States of America on where people have student debt. It's every district. It's like I know that there's a philosophical thing and because it was Biden, there's an, you know, the courts have done no favors for the Republicans. Yeah, I mean, they're happy that they got their outcomes that they wanted. But boy, oh boy, it's a political matter. And I got to tell you, um, the affirmative action. So the data, a lot of Americans are opposed to affirmative action. The numbers are all over the place, depending upon how, how you ask the question. But these are things Younger voters, voters of color, this is this is the direction the, color, the the country's going in. But it's not just Democratic constituencies. There are a lot of people that listen to this station that have kids that have a lot of student debt that would be $10,000 lighter. Because there is no doubt in my mind when Biden said that he would pay off student debt. And my wife, Nancy, was doing the Tarantella because she saddled with it, having gone yeah, to Brooklyn yeah. Law School. Um that that helped the Democrats stem the losses in Congress. If not for New York's unexpected victories by all the Republicans, including George Santos, it would have been Hakeem Jeffries as the Speaker of the House and not McCarthy. I think it helped. I think it helped, but as a long-term matter, it helped. Because a lot now he's getting it. Biden is getting attacked from the left because, the, you know, everyone's saying, well, the, you knew the courts were going to do this. Why did you go through this? We could have been working on another solution well, look, for a year now. But you have it exactly right. He can't say, look. I knew the court would re- reject it. I know it's a conservative majority court. But saying it at that point guaranteed that we would not lose the House in the manner that was well, predicted. Well, also, also when the, the court, they're, they're, they're doing their political thing, but it's all unpopular. Their, their decision on Roe v. Wade was unpopular on, on, student, on student. Affirmative action is hard to tell if it's popular or not. But um, – now, now the president in 2024 is going to be campaigning against the court. If you put Donald Trump back in charge, this is going to get even worse. Amazing. I mean, the Democrats couldn't have uh, had a happier outcome. As angry as they are, screaming, hollering. This is what they needed. It's just like the abortion decision. And then Judge Thomas coming out and saying, yeah. ah, abortion today Marital contraceptives yeah, and gay exactly, marriage tomorrow. Exactly. It's like, oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> go go hang out with your billionaire friend. Shut up. Is yeah. nuts? No, this is – I think it's 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 setting – I think both these, these decisions are going to turn out to be unpopular in the long term. Now, let me take you back. Slowly I turn step by step. Follow the money. Follow the money. Here it is. The Senate is in, at stake. Neither of the U.S. Senate candidates in Georgia broke the mythical 50% barrier. It was the runoff. Trump decided to get involved in Georgia, even though he lost the presidential election. That's right, he lost the presidential election. I know many people, oh, they stole it from What was the difference in why the Democrats won? 
Because both Democratic candidates said, give them the money. Give them the money. And the two Republican candidates looked at Trump. Trump said, don't give him a nickel, dime, a penny. That was the difference. Yeah. That was the difference. The Democrats promised to give them the money. The Republicans say, no, we're not giving them the money. Notice both campaigns, the smallest of margins. Well, you know, the, the other thing is I hear all the time people saying, oh, Biden is buying votes. That's what politics is. People go into, you know, you, you think when, when we require ethanol and the gasoline for Iowa farmers, that's not buying votes. You think that when the, when we had the tariffs against China and we bailed out the agriculture business, that wasn't, this is what we do. You think when, when, when Trump goes and stands at a military base and says we're going to buy more B1 bombers made here in Kentucky, that's not, bu- this is what it's supposed to be. You campaign on these things, you do these things, and then you stand for reelection to see what people like. So, in this case, it's the Republicans that are wrapping their arms around the Supreme Court for stopping a popular promise. The only reason Biden promised this is because it's popular. That's why I love John McCain uh, in most ways, not always, because he was a warmonger. He, he didn't know him and and uh, Joe Lieberman and, of course, uh, uh, South Carolina's uh, senator there. You know, they always got uh, Graham would take uh, jet setting tours around the world looking for people we could go to war against. But remember what McCain said? No, this time I'm not going to Iowa. I'm not drinking ethanol. Yeah, I don't believe in ethanol. It's welfare, it's uh, corporate welfare, it's agricultural uh, corporation welfare. Same, same way with Obama and Cuba. Yeah. You know, you know, everyone's, oh, you, you, you can't talk about normalization right to Cuba because of that community in South Florida. That's the tipping Bull. point in the Bull. state. And he said, to heck with this. I'm not going to do the same well, thing boy, over and over again. that's done a lot of good, embargoing Cuba, right? By now, they would have overthrown their communist ways 90 miles away with half their relatives enjoying a totally different life, and they're still living behind the sugarcane curtain of the former Fidel Castro and Raul Castro. Speaking of Castro, he used to love baseball. I mean, he was the number one baseball fan, except of El Duque, who escaped. And we still don't know how old El Duque was when he took to the mound of the Yankees. Something happened this week with the Mets, in addition to Steve Cohen uh, giving his State of the Union address on the fate of the Mets. But I had to break in on Justin Ellick's sports report. When we come back, I broke this story. People think, oh, it's This is just, an amazing story. This is just politics. Perfect for Bobby Bonilla Day. Right. This is a perfect story. This is just politics. Curtis just talks about, you know, the shelters going up, uh, you know. No. I also break news when it comes to the Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular today. With Anthony Weiner on the left, yours truly on the right. Versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. What happened to the Mets team here? Hey, hey, where's uh, where's the weekend uh, producer here? I mean, come on. What the hell is this? I want my Mets team. I want my Mets team. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about. It. 
no, 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 no. This is kind of corner. There you go. Yeah. Meet the Mets. No brainer meet here. Meet the Mets. Step right up and meet the Mets. Hey, you say greet them, I say beat them. Bring the wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the Mets are really sucking the ball. Yeah, with a long show, they are. You know, he's back. He's back in the lineup. Oh, my God. Look, I, I, that team. I, I got to tell you, it. Steve Cohen has his State of the Union address, which he said, no changes. We're forging ahead. Kind of. He said he's going to hire someone to layer over Epler, a, a, a head of baseball operations and a president. Two, yes. two layers. Okay. But the fact is, he didn't throw anybody under the bus. Yes. As much as I dislike Steve Cohen, he's a white-collar criminal, should have been doing Fed time for insider trading information. Preet Bahara uh, ended up nailing the, the number two guy who would not give up Steve Cohen. Okay, put that aside. He's a good owner. He's a fan's owner. He's willing to spend whatever necessary to bring you a he, world He series. signed a $1.2 million check to Bobby Benilla today, today yes, so yes. Yes, and could you just explain that? Bobby Benilla has not been active in baseball for, what, 25 years? Well, this is this is Bernie Madoff's revenge right here. This is in 2000, in, in, in 2000 I guess it was... Eight in two thousand eight, they they said they could they wanted to buy out Bobby Bonilla's five point nine million dollar um uh well, um actually it was two thousand five point nine million dollars, and Madoff had convinced the Wilpons, oh you're going to make double digit. They said, all right, in that case, we'll just push push off Bobby Bonilla, pay him eight percent interest. And we're going to pay him to two thousand twenty six. You know who negotiated that contract for Bobby Bonilla, who's living in a mansion in Stamford now? His wife. Is that true? His wife. That's why. Bobby, he, now Bobby Benia type deals all the time. Other athletes yes. are doing. Scherzer is a classic example. He's getting paid by by Washington through the two thousand twenty five yes, yes. or whatever it is. But it was his wife who negotiated that. Good, but good now let's get up to date. So every sportscaster on Friday morning was talking about once again the Mets had lost to the Brewers. You know the decline continues. It didn't matter what Steve Cohen said at his State of the Union address to the Mets on Wednesday. And then all of a sudden, Justin Alec is doing his sports report, as he always does for Sid in the morning. And Sid gave me permission to break in on him at 8.05. Remember, I had already been off the air. I'm on Monday through Friday, 7.05. I'll be with you and Dominic when you substitute for Sid Monday at 7.05. And listen to Justin Alec as he's talking about the loss of your match to the Brewers. The Yankees win the finale in Oakland, 10-4 to over the A's to take the series. First pitch for tonight's first of three in St. Louis against the Cardinals is set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern time with Luis Severino getting a start against Matthew Liberatore. The Mets keep on losing, this time 3-2 to two to the Brewers in yesterday's finale out in Milwaukee. They get hold set. on, hold on, Justin Alec. You leave out the main story of that. The Brewers were stuck at a Midtown hotel that didn't have illegal aliens, oh. were stuck in Biden <laughs> gridlock, uh, they were on their coach bus heading to City Field. They abandoned the coach bus and took the John Rocker Express, the number seven train to City Field, in which the manager said, do not make John Rocker comments. He was the best relief pitcher, and he plummeted. How could you miss that? Huh. That's the main story, Justin. You're just doing this a rip and read. This is a crazy read. story. Yeah, pretty much. 
Oh, my God. I'm trying to take no, after you. This Curtis. is what John Rocker said. Imagine having to take the number seven train right. looking like you're in Beirut next to some kid with purple hair, yeah. next to some queer with AIDS, okay. right next to some dude who got out of jail got for it. the fourth time, okay. right next to some 20-year-old mom you with four kids. I'm trying to write this it's all down. It's depressive. Oh, my God. <laughs> well done, Curtis. Wait, Wait but Curtis, much. how did you get that? How did you get that story? Oh, you know me. Whenever I go anywhere, I give people cards. I always right. give them my card. People have a collection of my cards, all the different radio <laughs> eras, different stations I've appeared at. And I always tell them, if you see something, please let me know. See something, say something to me. So there are two clubhouse guys. They love Lindor. They're Puerto Ricans. You know, Lindor, people think he's Dominican. He's not. He's Puerto Rican. They love him. And they happen to be coming to work. And they're on the number seven train, and guess they, they run into the Milwaukee Brewers, who they recognize. What they did? I guess because a group of, like, corn-fed white guys, you know, yeah. Well, I, you know, and Dominicans and everyone yeah, else. Yeah, and yeah. so they all staying in one car. Remember, the manager knows. Now he says, John Rock, his interview at Sports Illustrated, killed him. killer, he was, yeah. He was a Mariano Rivera at that time. He came out of the bullpen for Ted Turner and Jane Fonda and Jimmy Carter and his wife, remember, the chop chop. Yeah. And forget it. He would shut you down. And then he gave that interview at Sports Illustrated about the time he was running late, and he took the number seven train to the old Shea Stadium, and that's it. It was it, over. It, it for was him. bulletin board material every game, and every and the post would never let him forget it. Yeah, it was a disaster. So these two clubhouse guys who were really real fans, they they said, "Curtis, you're never going to believe it. We ran into the Milwaukee Braves on the seven train." I said, "Oh my God, that's the John Rocker Express." Nobody said anything that morning. I listened to the fan. I listened to ESPN. I didn't see it in any of the newspapers no. either. That's see, wild. And so when people complain and they call up, you know, management ownership here and say, fire Curtis, he's lying, he's lying. I get to the nitty gritty details because I have people who love to either let me know what's going on or rat out people. Like it's City Hall, the people in City Hall. They also, all these people on the train who are one taco short of a combo, they do remember your number, <laughs> and, and they often have interesting things to say. Look, I get more calls from homeless people, emotionally disturbed people, letting me know what's going on in the shelters. <laughs> I got contacts, not in the suites, in the streets, so that paid off big time. But I'm telling you, uh, on Monday morning, ladies and gentlemen, please all tune in. Sid will be away till uh, Wednesday. I'll be joining both Anthony Weiner and Dominic Carter, who will be hosting the morning show Monday from 6 to 10. Boy, they've developed. They've matured. They are prime time now. Teamed up for the first time, right? Teamed this up is it, them. yeah. I mean, we've been together a lot over the years, but never, no, never this, doing this No, this will be great radio, and then you can listen to me at 7.05. This is what happens here. It's an incubator for talk radio show hosts. John Katsimatidis and Margot and Chad, they give everybody a second chance. Anthony, to your credit, you made the most of it, and so has Dominic. Great radio. Rob Astorino up next. It's the left versus the right. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.